Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen and willingness to go forward. Matthew chapter 24. We're also going to read from Genesis 39, a story that I alluded to uh, last Sunday night. I'm going to read about uh, the story of Joseph there just a little bit. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Some uh, that have not been here for whatever the reason may have been. Life sometimes, I know, uh, presents some things. Sickness that we may have not been aware of, but we're glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning. We'll also be reading from Genesis 39. Matthew 24 and verse number 12. The Bible states these words, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until, or unto rather the end, the same shall be saved. Genesis 39 now, and uh, I want to start reading at verse number 7. We'll come back to these along the way, but Genesis 39 and verse Number seven, the Bible states this concerning the story of Joseph. It says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It's important to note, he says, I'm going to sin against God if I do this. It wasn't necessarily your husband, but God was the ultimate. That, that shows a man that has the proper focus. Amen. That where, where it really lies. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, daily, that he hearkened not to her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went to the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. That's what I was talking about last week. There's none of the men of the house that was there within. The Bible says in verse 12, and she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Joseph had a hard time keeping garments throughout his life. He did. Amen. Bless his heart. He really did. Amen. Amen. I want this morning just speak very simply, very, teach very simply today, but it's something that we all deal with no matter what stage of life that we're in or Christian life that is. I want to talk to you on this subject. Two words. Flee temptation. Flee temptation. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you right now. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you're able to help us today, God, in this place. We're thankful, Lord, God, for the songs. God, those old precious songs, Lord, that still have, Lord, a word of truth, God, that is in them. God, that we can sing, Lord, and adore your name with. Thank you, God, for our musicians today, God, that did a great job in leading us in a time of worship. I'm grateful today for them. Those that are sitting, Lord, in the audience today, help us, Lord, to glean from your word. Let it speak to us, Lord, as you would have. And I know, God, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, today. God, that your will and purpose would be done. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray the church say amen. 
Amen. You may be seated this morning. Flee temptation. Flee temptation. Years ago, uh, while visiting the Longfellow Elementary School in Oakland, California, 1982, Ronald Reagan was the president. His wife, Nancy Reagan, was asked by a schoolgirl from that particular elementary school if she what to do if she was offered drugs. She asked uh, the first lady, said, what should I do if I was offered drugs? And the first lady just responded by saying, just say no. And in short time, there was a full-fledged campaign that took place in that year all across America, and we still hear this campaign today of just say no to drugs. And Mrs. Reagan, the first lady, traveled all throughout the United States and even some other nations Uh, They say some 250,000 miles that she traveled uh, to go with this approach for children just to say no to drugs, even the United Nations. She went before the United Nations and spoke on this subject matter, had several heads of the state that joined her in this endeavor of just saying no to drugs. And it seemed like a very simple thing. It almost seems oversimplified, really. But that was the word that she gave to that little girl. You just need to say no just to say no. When we come down to it, whether it works good for uh, a a little child that's being allured by drugs or alcohol or the pressure of its peers, no works just as well in the church. No works just as well in the church concerning temptations and things that would overcome our lives in the sin-saturated society, amen, that you and I live. Because the, 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 the fact of the matter is this, Temptation is going to come. Amen. Temptation is going to come. Doesn't matter if we're pastor, teacher, prophet. Amen. Temptation is going to come. It's part of the lot in life of being a Christian that there are going to be temptations. The Bible says, the apostle said, that we through much tribulation or testing, temptation, enter into the kingdom of God. Whenever rapture day takes place somehow, God is going to have himself a tried people. A tried people. He's going to know what they're made of. He's going to know what they have endured, what they have given themselves to, or what they've rejected. And that only comes by many times a trial of temptations, amen, and tribulations to see what we are made of. And so then this morning, what it is up to us, it's how we respond how we respond to temptation that we face that will determine whether we're victorious or we're defeated in how we respond to temptation. And Satan has a full gamut of tools that he uses and enticements that he uses for temptation in every culture of every age for all the different variety of people that's represented in society. And the fact of the matter is this, he is the the, the, the beguiling, subtle creature that we know him from from the very beginning in the garden he knows that if he were to present sin as sin really is that nobody would be interested he knows if he just pulled back the cover and say well this is what the consequences are uh, for this and this is the roads that this is going to lead you down then there would be nobody undoubtedly interested in what he had to offer but he doesn't present sin like that he doesn't come to us with temptation through those type of things. In, 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 in our world today, in real fine, real fine, and I, I maybe ate it maybe one in my life, but real fine restaurants today, they have specialists who are trained in food presentation 
And, and that food presentation is defined as the art of modifying, processing, arranging, or decorating food to enhance its aesthetic appeal or its visual appeal. Well, I want you to know that uh, the adversary of our soul is a sin presentationist. And he has a way of somehow enhancing and modifying and arranging it, presenting it in such a way that it seems as though it's very enticing. And it seems it is very, very much so harmless. The Bible says, though, because of that, because of his tactics and his ways, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that we are not ignorant of his devices. The word devices there can also be translated sly ways. We're not ignorant of his sly ways. And as a result of that, that our children are even learning during this six-week time frame back in the back. In order to combat that, we must, it is important, it's really not an option, it's important, we must put on the full armor of God. We need to have our lives with that helmet of salvation, our loins girt about with truth, Amen, the shield of faith, right? The breastplate, a feet shod with the preparation. We must put on the whole armor of God. Why? That we might be able to stand in this evil day. Amen, because the day is not getting less evil. The day is getting more evil. Iniquity doth abound. And it's having influence and impact, not just upon people in the world, it's having influence and impact upon good Christian people. Amen. I would say probably the greater ploy of the enemy is not to make sinners sin more, uh -huh, but to get those that are supposed to be born again of water and spirit, blood, blot, separated and distinct, to snafu them with his beguiling and snafu them with his presentation. And so it is imperative that we have on the armor of God. Folks, we cannot chance a day of not putting on the armor. We cannot chance a day, as David says, and says, today I'm going to delay or not go to war. We need to put on and arm ourselves with the armor of God. He's given it to us. It's not, it's not for lack of armor. It's not like for weaponry to stand up against these things. Many times it's for lack of application. Putting on the armor putting on what is needed that we can stand in this evil day. Because listen, I, I, this may be very elementary and simple today, but sometimes you need to go back to that road. Sin is nothing to trifle with. Sin is nothing to trifle with. Temptation is nothing to trifle with. We don't need to look at it as the innocent little cat or puppy dog that, that, that there's just no big deal about it. Let me tell you something. If you allow sin to have a foothold or temptation to have a foothold in your life, it will not always assume the role of innocence. It will mature and it will grow up to be something that is an antagonist to your soul and it'll take you down roads you wish you never put a foot on. Amen. That's just a ploy of the enemy to make you think that this is harmless, this is no big deal. Yeah, that's the first hook. But before it's said and done, he'll be leading you by the nose down the road. Sin is nothing to trifle with. Nothing to trifle with. Peter even warned. He, he warned in 1 Peter 5, 8. He said, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeketh 
whom he may devour. Put him in the, 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 the hues and the tones of a roaring lion. And he's seeking. He is seeking. And it may be my, my avenue that he's seeking one day. I'm, I'm not, I am not immune to an attack of the enemy. None of us are immune to an attack of temptation. He'll wait for the right time, the right setting, the right people to be around or not be around. And he'll go in for the kill, folks. That, that's the way that he works. He goes in for the kill. But what we got to understand today as believers, if you're a New Testament believer today, you got to make a decision. You make a decision concerning the temptation that's assaulted you. You got to make a decision. And what we make that decision on is our spiritual maturity in Christ. Mm -hmm. On our spiritual maturity in Christ. We may be more so taken with temptation if our spiritual maturity is low. But the idea is as you mature more in Christ that you will not give yourself to the temptations that you would have once given yourself to year, a year or two or so ago because you've matured in the Lord. You see the ploy. You see, you see the way that the adversary works. And here's the fact of the matter. I can't resist your temptation. I can't resist your temptation. I cannot make the decision for you. Now, I try sometimes real hard from this desk to make the decision for you. Don't do it! You know, you hear me scream and sweat's coming down my face, whatever I can do. But I cannot make ultimately that decision for you because just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had Daniel, their companion with them all these different times, it would seem. They were the four cohorts, you know, that were together. Someday, Daniel's not going to be around, being be in a connotation as their pastor. Someday, Daniel's not going to be around, and they're going to be asked to bow. And it's at that moment they're going to have to take whatever they heard Daniel try to feed into their life, say, I'm going to put that to practice. I'm not going there. You're going to have to make a choice and a decision. Daniel can't make it. He's not there, but you got to. You got to make your own decision. When I say make your own decision, I'm not just saying if it feels right, do it. <laughs> Please don't mistake me. Make your own decision based upon some principles. Based upon some principles. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.12 that we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You've heard that for years. Some of you... Oh, uh, Mature saints have heard that for years. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that just re reiterates the point. We, no one can do it for you. Pastor, spouse. Nobody can do it for you. Amen. And so in order, in order to come to this time of temptation, here's the thing. And this is what you got. You, you need spiritual discernment for this to a certain degree. You need to really lean on God for this. There are some temptations that come that you need to fight resist and there are other temptations that come that you just need to flee mm -hmm. and you got to ponder which is the best because sometimes to stand and fight is the right thing to do but other times you don't even want to go there you need to pick up your heels and run for your life from what is being submitted to you at that time and so many times, even in Scripture, one of the antidotes to temptation, many times one side of that was to flee. Now, some of us say, well, that seems kind of a cow cowardly thing to do. 
you know, to flee. Seems even like an oversimplification, if you will, of something to flee. Let me tell you, pin me a coward. Pin, you know, write it. Pastor McGee is a coward. But if it saves me in the future some heartache because I fled and ran away from a temptation, all power to it. I'll be that coward every day of the week if I got to. If it means saving the integrity of the soul. Saving the integrity of the inner man. Amen. Because honestly, at some places in our life, we're not strong enough to do the fighting. Our best strength is fleeing. Mm -hmm. Because we have our highs and lows in our Christian walk. Mm -hmm. On your high, you might have been a contender to fight. But in a low, don't you even try to. You better get out of it. You better run. You, be, <laughs> you better get somewhere as far as ways you can from that. But in the end hour, what we're and then you say, oh, the end times. Yeah, in the end times. If a thousand years is one day, one day is a thousand. It's the end time. Yeah. In these end days, temptation, sin is more alluring than it's ever been. More alluring than it's ever been. Enormous, if you will, temptations. And the reason being is this, because the, the morality of the world is not even as a high standard as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And since the morality of the world isn't even as a high standard as it used to be, then what once even by worldly standards were, was not acceptable, right now is acceptable to them. And so what is acceptable then to the world, see, used to, there used to be a little bit of a, of a crossover. It seems there was a certain morality in the world that the church could stand by because they shared, in fact, same convictions over certain moral issues. But that's not the case today. The morality of the world has dropped. And so there is a larger gap, if you will, between the church and the world. Not because the world, not because the church has gotten better so to speak no but because the world's gotten worse the church is where the church has always been mm -hmm. the church is where the church has always been but there's this constant degradation the world it is will and continue to wax worse and worse amen someone say amen and so Satan comes with his temptations and he's alluring, he's enticing, he is the presentation king to try to sweep us away by his presentation. And many people will go that route. But Christ, on the other hand, he's just forthright and up front. Because whenever he speaks to us about his way and his path, there's such verses as Matthew 10, 38 and 39 that says, and he that taketh not his cross, I mean, Look at the presentation. He's, he's just peeling it back the skin and showing you everything. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. But he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now, God, you could really do a little bit with your presentation here. Yes, <laughs> I mean, the adversary's got the glitter and the gold and the limelights, and you're pulling it all back and saying, hey, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you don't take up your cross and follow me, you might as well forget it. You really could do something with your presentation side. Listen, there's nothing, let me tell you something. There's going to be days after you come to know the Lord, there are going to be some hard days. There's going to be some difficult paths. There's going to be some times that you're going to scratch your head with the obstacles that are along the way. Amen. But the wicked, listen to me, the wicked, the sin, whatever, they are not without their problems as well. The Bible said, Isaiah said in Isaiah 57 and 20, he said, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. He said, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. He said, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. 
Now, you're getting the presentation of every flattery flying and well, but he said that the crux of the matter is this. The wicked's like a troubled sea, back and forth, waves tossing to and fro. There's no rest. There's no peace. They, he's putting forth the propagation in the limelight. Oh, you'll have peace. You'll have fun. You'll have all this. He, God says it's not so. It's just a t- troubled sea. It's a troubled wave. You're wondering where the next storm and the end thereof is destruction. The end thereof, it's totally mayhem. But at least Christ from the beginning is telling you, you're going to have some heartache. You're going to have some problems. But know this, if you do, you're still going to have joy. You're still going to have peace right in the middle of it. You're you're still going to be close to my righteousness right in the middle of it. Yeah, you're going to have some heartache, but you're not going to go at it alone. He said the way of a transgressor is hard. He told him in the book of Acts, he said it's hard for you to kick against the bricks. The way of a transgressor is hard. And so we have this gap between the church and the world. As a matter of fact, Richard Lovis in the 1970s, he coined that term and that phrase of sanctification gap, meaning a widening distance between the culture of the world and the values and the principles of the church. But the costumes have come in classrooms and businesses, even in churches, trying to make things that were once not acceptable acceptable. Just dress it up just right. And I'm not talking about in the literal sense. I'm just saying, just, just put the right hue, the right tone on it. Dress it up just right so that you'll accept what formerly you would have never accepted. Again, you don't have to draw near to the principle of God's word to cause that gap. All we have to have is society to get worse in order for that gas gap to get widened. Because in today's culture, this is the key word one of these two tolerance or acceptability tolerance or acceptability in this world today because what used to be frowned upon as evil by many people is often accepted as norm now used to be socially unacceptable among most of the world and the population at large certain things but now they're accepted some things Accepted to the degree of being politically correct. And boy, if you've got a governing body behind it, then it must be right. Well, glory. I'm trying to see if this little curtain back here is big enough to hide under. Amen. <laughs> and what's happened, though, is really it's a fulfillment of what Jesus said in Scripture. It's fulfillment because the days of iniquity are abounding, they're abounding. And so when you have things that were once, once just outright refused, it's not moral, now being dressed up and accepted as though they were moral, what's happening? It's caused the love of many to wax cold. To wax cold. The Bible says, Luke 21, Zach, if you can get that for me, I don't know how you've been doing with me. I'm sorry, he's kind of on the fly with me. But in Luke 21 and verse 34, I want to read just a little setting of scripture here. Luke 21, verse 34 through 36. Thank you, brother. The Bible says, and take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. And care by say cares. Now, there would be a good sermon within itself. 
Beyond talking about the surfeiting and drunkenness part, there would be a good sermon all on its own. Watch it lest your hearts be overcharged with cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. What's it talking about? The day of the Lord. Be careful that you don't get so caught up in the cares of life that the Lord's coming comes and you're like, where did this come from? And for that matter, maybe be ill-prepared for it because you've been too involved in cares. It's not always, it's not always, you know, back to drug. It's not always drug, alcohol temptation. Sometimes we allow cares of life to become our temptation. Amen. Cares, cares of life be our temptation. He says, for as a snare, Shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth? Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Men. Cares. Everybody say cares. Oh, we got to underline that. Cares and the concerns of our life, modern day life, can create some very stressful situations. Very stressful situations. And these situations can cause a person to become so busy with life. Cares of life can cause situations to happen that you become so busy with living life. Then that you neglect things. You neglect things such as prayer time. Cares of life can cause you to neglect things such as Bible reading. Cares of life can cause you to neglect stuff as church attendance. Just just daily living. Cares of life can come and do that. And so here's here's the thing, folks. Without yielding to temptation, without yielding to temptation to violate to violate biblical principles, there can be a struggling believer that can fail the Lord by neglecting the things that should keep them strong. Uh huh. Temptation, temptation, and sin to temptation. We've said it. I'll rehearse it. Isn't always because you did something wrong, but it may be we did not do something right. Amen. So, so it's not that I did that and I shouldn't have done that, or I went there and I shouldn't have done. No, 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 no. I said that. No, no. Some of us are the things that we left unsaid, like prayer. Some of us are unread Bibles. Unattended churches, not everything that we do, sometimes it's the things that we don't do. That can be just as much a temptation and a failure in a process to sin as what we do commit. So, so listen, watch out, watch out with the bony fingers about being able to see what someone did just because we can't see what you left undone. You need to flee that temptation of the, that which is undone just as much as those things that you do. <laughs> I'd say in modes of things that try to get you to commit sin, you need to run from them. Those things that try to keep you from doing certain things, you need to run to the thing that is trying to keep you from doing does that make sense? If, it trying to, if the cares are coming upon you and trying to keep you from prayer time, you need to run to prayer time. Trying to keep you from Bible, you need to run to Bible reading. Trying to keep you out of church, you need to be the first one there. Amen. Because the cares of life, 
Amen. Cares of life. So lifestyle, you know, even today, you know, lifestyles that used to be frowned upon, not accepted by a generation ago. Now they're accepted by many people in the public world now as norm. We live in a permissive society. Permissive society. You know, immorality is considered hip. Yeah. It's, it's the thing. Deviant lifestyles. Deviant lifestyles are being defended. Are you hear? This is the world in which we live. Amen. And then people shake their heads and say, what's your problem? Because you're not going along with the flow of society, the societal norms. What's your problem? You need to loosen up. You need to give a little bit and take a little bit. Peter spoke of that day. He said in 1 Peter 4, 4, and I want this on the screen, brother. Like 1 Peter 4, 4, Peter spoke of this day. He spoke of these people that were going to come to us concerning this. He said, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess. He said, there are going to be people that says, why, don't you, why aren't you accepting this? Why isn't this permissive with you, Peter? Why isn't this permissive with your group? Why, 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 what's the deal? He says they, they do this. Why, why, why? They think it's strange that you're not running with them to the same excess of right. He said, and they turn around and then speak evil of you. They say, yeah, they're, 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 just, a bunch of, they're just a bunch of legalists. Right. Let's start speaking evil of you because you're not running to the extent that they're running. And so they just turn around and they knock you down and say, man, they're just a bunch of, they're, just, they're caught in a generation warp of time ago. No, no. Church didn't move. Church didn't move. Church didn't change. God didn't change. We're not altering something. We're not making something different. We're the stick in the mud where the stick in the mud's always been. The shorelines begin to erode because of society. Huh? Don't look at me as though I changed. I didn't change. Oh, God. I feel a little Holy Ghost coming in here. So sometimes your best bet is to flee temptation. At least four times in God's word we're commanded to flee. 1 Corinthians 6, 8, it says flee fornication. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, it says flee from idolatry. Idolatry, that's serving idols. 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, flee also youthful lust. You've heard me before. It wasn't so much even things that you're prone to as you're a kid, but flee youthful lust, meaning this, that whenever those first things begin to materialize in your life, before they have a chance to mature, that temptation before it has a chance to mature, cut it off. Flee mm -hmm, youthful lust. 1 Timothy 6.11, flee. He said these things, and he made a list of some things that needed, that needed to be fled from. So there is no antidote for temptation anymore to the point, any more effective than just the whole subject matter of fleeing temptation. Sometimes that's the most effective response to temptation is to flee from temptation. Coward or not, whatever they call you, flee from it. Sometimes, though, you also stand. But before we go there, let's consider... The story of Joseph in Genesis 39. Again, flee in the Greek basically means this. It's real deep. You got it? To run away. <laughs> to run away. Let me read the story there of Joseph one more time, if I may. Genesis 39, 
in verse number 7 starting, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. She found herself a target. Mm -hmm. And she said, Lie with me. Here's the invitation. But he refused. Someone say, He fought. He refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, one if not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. He's given me everything in this house. There's none greater in the house than I right now at this moment. And he hasn't kept you. He hasn't kept anything back from me except you. You're his wife because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Again, as I said in the beginning, Joseph had it right. Joseph had it right. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been a great transgression against his master. But the greater, the greater scope of things is this. You're sinning against God, the one that holds life and death in the palm of his hands, the one that will give the word concerning judgment and your destiny. Mortal man can only do so much. But God, mortal man might be able to kill the body, but God has body and soul. He said, sin against God. And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Now, here, here might be one clue. Here might be one clue. If you fight against temptation and it's still showing up every day, you might need to try a different route. You hear me? If it was happening every day, Joseph must have been refusing. He must have been refusing every day. Day by day, he must have been doing it. Hearken not to her. Lie with me. No, 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 no. To be with her. No, no, no. But it came to pass when he went in the house, no one else in the house, that she caught his garment. Uh-huh. Joseph said, at this point in the road concerning temptation, fighting is not going to be an option. At this stage, fighting is not an option. At this stage, i got to kick up my heels and get out of this house and run, even if I, <laughs> yeah, i got to kick up my heels and get out of here just as quickly as possible. And he did, and she, of course, took his garment, used his own garment against him, so on and so forth. But the, 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 the matter is this. There are some times to fight, and there are some times to flee. But if fighting isn't getting it done, let me tell you, it might be time just to run. There's people told me, well, I've been fighting against this. I, I've been, and that's great. If you have the fortitude and God's helping you in doing that, that's great. But honey, if it is daily, 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 amen, trying to sequester you and bat its eyes at you and take you, you know what? You might need to change the game plan a little bit and run for your life. Amen. Because what was, what was Potiphar's wife trying to do? She's trying to reason with Joseph. Oh, it's such deploy. He's trying to reason with Joseph. Husband's gone. No one will ever know. It's fine. Just try to reason with Joseph. See, that's one of the, that's one of the downsides to fighting because you fighting, your presence is still there. You're still entertaining what's going on in the moment. And that gives a vein and a venue for the reasoning to start happening. Uh-huh. For the reasoning to start happening. Amen, in your life. But Joseph fled from her advance. He fled from the temptation. Why? He didn't want to lose his relationship with God. He didn't want to lose his relationship with God over a carnal relationship. 
a secular relationship. And so you got to decide. You got to decide in your life. For one, you got to decide whether some circumstances that enter your life, whether or not they're going to present temptation to you or not. Personally. Because there's some circumstances that may present temptation to one person, may not to another. But the devil knows your vice. He knows your vice. But you need to be sensitive to the Spirit because there are some situations, environments, and even atmospheres some of us can't even go into that may be okay, but we can't go into because it provides temptation for us. You hearing me? So we got to be sensitive to that. Amen. And then secondly, we got to understand, we got to understand that some challenges require fighting and some challenges require resisting. What did, the, what did James say, James 4, 7? He said, submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The power of our resistance, of course, comes from our submission to the Lord. So it goes to reason that if you're not submitted to the Lord, please don't even try to resist. Because your resistance will be futile without a true submission to God. That's the reason why I'd say this. For new converts that are just beginning their walk with the Lord, your best bet is to run. Amen. Your best bet is to run. And let me tell you something. Some of us older kooks here in the gospel, there's times I kick up my feet. Because fighting's not going to do it. Amen. So you, there's sometimes you fight... But Satan has this way. He, he camouflages. He camouflages sin. Amen. The Bible even speaks to about him. Himself has the ability to disguise himself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11 in verse number 13, this is the word of the Lord. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves and to the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, who's that? Those who do his bidding, mm -hmm, his purpose, his temptations for that matter. It, there, therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work so he, he camouflages stuff he disguises stuff amen puts it in those little cloaks of innocence amen someone say amen, amen. I'm going to tell you now I've told you you know maybe stand maybe fight let me tell you something else one of the easiest ways to fall into temptation is to make no effort to stand nor to run because Here's the thing. If you stand for what is right, then you're probably resisting the efforts of what is wrong. Amen? So it wouldn't have that downward pull. When the, here's sometimes the crux of the road. When the popular thing to do is not the right thing to do, it takes a hard blow on the human side of man. Mm -hmm. When standing for righteousness and what is right isn't popular, it's hard to stand whenever you don't have the rallying of the crowd around you. Well, 
We can all stand maybe here in this service. Yeah, that's right, brother. Go for it. Man, I feel pretty good up here this morning. People say, certain, I'm saying these things about this, the world we live in. Ah, oh, that's right, that's right. Man, I do. But take us out of this setting and put us in that setting. It's easy to do that right here because we have a little populace here of popularity. That's the right thing. But get to where it's not considered right. It's going to be harder. Moses did it. Reared and raised in the palace of Egypt. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, Moses choosing rather to suffer uh-huh, the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a reason. Why? Esteeming the reproach even of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses while even in the palace had to take a stand, it wasn't the popular thing to do. But it was the right thing to do. Amen. We see it over and over again. Do you think, don't you think for a moment, whenever Nathan went to approach David and he, he, he brought this story about that was kind of paralleling David's life of his sin with Bathsheba, that whenever Nathan kind of put his finger into the chest of that king of the nation and said, thou art the man, I guarantee you, he wasn't, probably whenever he got up that morning says I just can't wait to deliver the mail today <laughs> I mean this is going to be a great day going to the presence of the king and pointing at him and said you're the man that's sinning it's not the popular thing to do but he did it because it was the right thing to do John the Baptist look John the Baptist lost his head over many things but one in fact pointing his finger at Aaron saying hey what do you do if your brother Philip's wife wasn't the popular thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. Amen? Hallelujah. And so that's the way it is sometimes in this life. Say, well, it's, it's, better, it's better just to allay our feelings and our thoughts. It's better to flee and to be considered a coward than it is to stay and be a partaker and find out what a real coward is. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You know a good way to help flee temptations here is to have an eternal focus over there. You notice whenever you're focusing on something in the distance, things on the peripheral are less distractive. Huh? I'm looking right out now, right, right at that blue trash can down that alley. You know, I see people out there, but I don't see what faces you're making. You might be sticking your tongue out. Some of you might be asleep. I don't see it. But my focus out there has helped me to lose focus on what's right here. Whenever you keep your, your affection on those things that are above, then the things below have a less beck and call of being able to grasp your attention when you... Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen. Jesus said, he said, in Luke 9, 62, he said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is spit for the kingdom of God. Old time preacher used to say it like this. He said, you got to keep your nose and your toes in the same direction. <laughs> you got to keep your nose and your toes in the same direction. Amen. 
And so we got to focus not necessarily what's on and what's immediate, but sometimes the incentive that is beyond there. And we learn that from our own example, Christ Jesus, because that's what he did in his life. Uh, he did the very exact same thing uh, because of the cross that was set before him. He said he, he was despising, he endured the cross, he was despising the shame. Uh, because of the joy, rather, the Bible says it was set before him, all that other, those peripheral matters, he said that he didn't allow them to take a hold on him because he had a concentration, he had a focus on the joy that was set, the incentive that was ahead, amen, kept him from all the immediate distractions that could have impact or effect upon his life, amen. Whenever they first, whenever they first uh, started space exploration years ago, uh, rockets would leave the earth, and they would enter the earth's atmosphere and they would enter outer space and they would only be there for just a few seconds, very few seconds or a few minutes sometimes. And then they would re-enter our atmosphere and it was like over, that was it. I mean, they spent millions of dollars to get a rocket up. Boom, it gets in the earth's atmosphere there for a few minutes or seconds, enters right back. It's like, yeah, that's great. And you know, we spent whatever, millions of dollars in order to get that to happen. Great. Well, you know, we've come a few, few distances since then. Now, it's quite possible NASA, they can launch something like that into the atmosphere and it can maintain and sustain the orbit around the Earth and outer space for long periods of time now. Some people are just like those early day rockets with their experience with the Lord. They leave the carnal atmosphere. They're entering into the celestial atmosphere. And just give it a moment, they'll be back. <laughs> But spiritual maturity is this, is that as time goes on, you're hoping to enter the celestial atmosphere and stay there in orbit for a while. You hear me? That really should be a goal, a life's purpose, to be able to get there and maintain that for some time. Amen. I know there'll be times we'll come back down, that's for sure. We're all examples of that. But if we can just get there and stay there just a little bit longer. Amen. And here's the thing. If you have a spiritual life, it's going to be much easier perhaps to flee temptation than without it. Here's one reason why. Because if you have a spiritual life, when you run from the negative, you have something better to run to. If you don't have the spiritual life, what are you running to when you leave that? Where do you go? Well, I mean, what, what, what would really vie for your attention more than what you're trying to get away from? That's the reason why we have people, addicts and different people that are in situations in the world and they're trying to get away from it, still being in the world, they're having such heartache because there's nothing better to go to. Nothing better to go to. But if you have a spiritual life, amen, if you have a spiritual life, you have a refuge. You have a strong tower that you can run to. And so whenever temptation comes, when temptation comes and sin is beckoning unto you, you know what? They can leave that because there's something of better quality over here. But in the world, you're leaving one quality to go something of the same quality. Not so though, whenever you're a child of God, you can leave that and go to something that is of a better quality and more inviting than that which you left. Canaan all throughout her years, traveling, or the children of Israel rather traveling on their way to Canaan, man surrounded by idolatry, surrounded by a society that was on the downfall for them, all right, constantly had temptations daily at different times for sin. 
But even through it all, and there's times that they gave in, and there were times that they fought, and there were times that they fled. Through it all, here's the main thing. When it was all said and done, and they stepped feet into that place, you know what? They had maintained their identity of being the children of God. And so you'll have your ups, you have your downs, you have your times you give in, your times that you flee, and your times that you stand. The thing is this, whenever it's all said and done, the dust settles, are you still going to be identified as one of his? Amen. If you can stand with me this morning. So please, please don't overlook that vein of I got to fight temptation. It might not always be that. It might be fleeing temptation. Fleeing temptation. There are some animals in the natural world today, one case in point would be the gazelle. The gazelle is not a gifted fighter in the natural world, not a gifted fighter in nature, but they are swift runners. They are very good runners. They can have bursts of speed of running up to 60 miles per hour, a gazelle can. And so whenever they are met with opposition of prey, they're not like, put up your hoofs, buddy. <laughs> yeah, they're putting them up in a whole different manner. They're running for their lives. 60 miles per hour, and there's a lion on their trail, honey. They're not stopping until they get to safety. Amen. They're going to run because they've been equipped, not necessarily with the measure to fight, but with, equipped with the measure to run. They can run. And so I tell you, know yourself. Know yourself. If you're capable of being a fighter, great. Go for it. Fight. Resist. Submit. Fight. Submit. Fight. Submit. Fight. But if that's not you... Learn how to tie your tennis shoes. <laughs> and let's run. Oh, oh, but that, that person over there, they're just so much greater because they fight. Let me tell you something. If at the end of the day you both escape temptation, heaven is applauding you. Mm -hmm. Heaven is applauding you. I guarantee you this this morning. If we bow our heads in this place today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.